Lobos S940, does the XPS 13 have a challenger? Check out Rode's new wireless Go mic. Should you buy an Oculus Quest VR headset? Is it time? All that and more coming up on Tech Thing. Big shout out to our patrons. You make the show possible. Please join the crew that supports Tech Thing at patreon.com slash tech thing. Thanks. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we have something useful in every single show. Oh my goodness. Cheap phone alert, or maybe mid-range with a badass camera phone alert. Yay! You've already pre-ordered it. I have. $399, a bit at the high end for the mid-level of phones, but at the incredibly low end if you're thinking about getting a uh, flagship level yes. camera. So as you can see over on my computer here, Google just announced their new Pixel 3a and 3a XL mm -hmm. over at Google I.O., which happens out here in California. So it starts at $399 and then the larger one is a little bit more expensive than that. Uh, they do have all the information. You can already purchase them on the website. The biggest difference that I saw between the XL, the 3XL, which I have, and the 3a and the 3a XL are the size so you'll notice that both the new ones are a little bit smaller than the xl the original 3xl and you'll also notice the battery size is a little bit different right here there's also no hdr support on the new 3a's uh, there's no water resistance there's no wireless charging and they top out at 64 gigs for your storage size so a little bit smaller there's no 128 gig which is unfortunate but they do have <gasps> headphone jacks Oh my gosh. No micro SD card though. No micro SD card, yeah, which is unfortunate, but Google makes up with that by doing the unlimited storage for photos and videos at high quality with Google Photos. So you do get that unlimited storage as long as you're using these phones. So that's good. But I right? have 200 gigabytes of audio on my 400 gigabyte micro SD card. In yeah, my yeah, phone. that's a thing. And they do come with the Pixel cameras though. So, so this is the same camera that's on your like $1,100 phone. It is. Uh, you don't get the dual front-facing cameras, so you don't get that wide aperture, that mm -hmm. really wide lens that you do get on my Pixel 3 XL, uh, but you still get that nice f2.0 aperture. It's just not as wide. Uh, you get 12.2 megapixels on the dual Pixel camera, which is wonderful, and that one's also f1.8. So it does sound like you still get a lot of those nice perks. Night sight is included, portrait mode, and you can edit those too. So it sounds like a good deal at 400 bucks. So I did purchase one. I got the purple one. Shocked. I Shocked know. I am. Shocked, right? I know, right? So I'm really excited for it to come in. Uh, let me see if I can find a picture for you because it's actually quite pretty. Quite purple. Quite purple. It's called purple-ish. It has a lime green button on the side. My boy's bedroom is more purple than that. <laughs> it's very pretty. That wall over there is more purple than that. <laughs> so I will hopefully have this in uh, next week for review. So I'll be able to compare it against the $1,000 Google phone as well. Uh, and I'll see how the camera works. I'm very excited to see if this is a possibility for me uh, to use an external wireless mic to plug into it since it has a headphone jack. I think that would be really cool. So we're gonna see how it works. I'm excited. Lobo's <laughs> <laughs> IdeaPad S940 got a ton of press back at CES 2019. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. It felt so nice to touch a contoured 13.9 inch Gorilla Glass display, wraparound rounded glass, not unlike some expensive cell phones out there with a thin bezel that mates pretty cleanly to the aluminum shell. A tiny bump, AKA the reverse notch that contains the webcam and kind of works as a little spot for your thumb. 
to it's make pretty. opening the lid easier. It's aesthetic. Yes, one of your it's very ones. aesthetic. It feels really lovely and much like the latest Dell XPS 13 that was announced back at CES, there is no nostril cam. Hallelujah. That was notch. But, <laughs> well, the reverse notch. Because it's not into the screen, it's above the screen. That screen, though, is really gorgeous. The one we got to uh, check out from Lenovo is a 500-nit 4K HDR base of 400. That's the one that's uh, currently available. We expect a 1080p Dolby Vision HDR model to ship later this year for a bit less cash and a lot more battery life. Mm -hmm. So the model we tested packed an 8th Gen Core i7-8565U processor. That's 1.8 gigahertz up for, uh, in theory, 4.6 gigahertz with turbo boost, uh, eight megabytes of cache, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and a fat one terabyte PCI Express NVMe SSD. Not bad. If you love USB-C, <laughs> this is your laptop. Two USB-C Thunderbolt 3 ports along with a regular USB-C port and a headphone jack. If you don't own USB-C cables, you're going shopping. There are no USB-A ports on this beast, nor is there an SD card slot, something that drives us nuts here on Tech Thing, but doesn't seem to bother a lot of people buying laptops. Yeah, it's, out of it's, the world. it's just us podcasters. Just We're us the only ones. And photography enthusiasts. <laughs> yes. And videographers. Uh, like just about every other Core i5 or Core i7 laptop we've touched in the past few years, day to day computing performance is just there. No problem. It wasn't until we pushed the S940 by encoding a video file in Handbrake that we saw any sort of performance question marks. It was significantly slower than a previous gen Core i7 Dell XPS 13. Uh, the Lenovo averaged about 5.6 frames per second to the Dell's 9.5 frames per second. I actually take it back. It averaged out to about 8.8 .8 frames per mm. second. That's about an hour's difference in render time. So the Dell was looking at about one hour and 38 minutes. The Lenovo S940 was looking at about two hours and 30 minutes. Now, this is okay. not, you know, this is this is a creative light laptop, yeah. right? You can still do it. Yeah, I, I and those numbers are for a really brutal video render on like a three gigabyte file. Most people aren't gonna be doing that kind of stuff on an ultra portable like mm -hmm. this, but it does give you an idea. I'm curious about the thermals because when you look at the fans inside of there, they're very twee because this is a 0.4 eight inch thick or 12.2 millimeter thick laptop right um so partially i wonder about the the thermals on the internal cooling or whether or not there are firmware updates that mm -hmm. might give you a little bit more performance you know i'm always kind of curious as laptops get thinner thermals get tougher although it looked really nice inside of there uh, the memory on the s940 soldered to the motherboard uh, so no upgrades buy what you need you can upgrade the hard drive though by removing the bottom panel Yay! there's a really nice heat sink bridge in the nvme ssd to the outside of the case or thermal tape or whatever you call that sticky stuff uh, and speaking of sticky the keys are not sticky but they have this really interesting pop um yeah feel uh, a fairly firm response. It feels different from most ultra portables we've tested. It feels different. I feel, I feel, it feels different to my fingers from most Lenovo keyboards. I liked it. Um, typing felt good, um, but it is a very distinctive profile in terms of the pressure and right. the, the distance on that. In any case, typing felt good. Trackpad is as good as any other luxury laptop we've used. Front facing Dolby Atmos speakers promise audio that seemingly flows all around you. Yay. Yeah, she gets <laughs> excited about laptop speakers. I put on my headphones almost always when I'm using a laptop. Um, it's but, true. <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is. I mean, they, <laughs> no matter how good the laptop speakers are, they still suck so badly compared to my headphones. It's true. Um, but if you're sharing a video on YouTube. Yes. They got it covered. <laughs> I don't know if I feel like I was enveloped with sound, but certainly it felt larger than the laptop. 
uh, like you'd expect from any laptop targeting Dell's XPS. This is light and fairly thin, 2.6 pounds, 12.57 uh, by 7.77 by 0.48 inches, wow. 16 by 9, 13.9 uh, inch screen. So kind of it's the- It's thin. Yeah, not the 3.2 thing or 4.3 thing we've seen mm -hmm. on a lot of laptops lately. 802.11ac, uh, 2x2, Bluetooth 5.0, uh, webcam 720HD uh, and IR. It is lacking the shutter cover we've seen on Lenovo's ThinkPads, uh, but they are promising to darken your screen when you step away using the Glance software. That's interesting. It is interesting. Uh, I, actually, I was just saying that what's kind of crazy about the Glance stuff is that it's supposed to shift between your laptop screen and a desktop. Um, I didn't get too deep into that because yeah. I really have never run into a situation where I would actually be switching right between you know you know what maybe for next week <laughs> <laughs> i just just like yeah I'm, I'm just i don't need my eyeballs to track to move my content to my <laughs> if i'm it's using a much. desktop it's too much <laughs> i got my desktop i don't know um there are no 1080p models of this IdeaPad uh, currently, uh, and the models that are available now are Core i7 and priced in the $1,800 to $2,000 range. Uh, they're pretty much all 4K versions. These are not cheap, but like I said before, it looks and it feels amazing. This is uh, you know, not a machine you want to render a ton of video on or compile all the code, but right. then again, that's what they have big giant creator laptops or gaming laptops for. Like this one. <laughs> I was also surprised compared to that last generation Dell XPS 13 we ran it against that the performance was so slow by comparison. Mm. Uh, Lenovo says nine hours of battery life with the 4K screen. That bumps up to 15 hours for the 1080p version. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's it, huge. Yeah, we've seen this before where like the more pixels you have, the brighter the monitor yeah. is. I like hint running the screen at 500 nits, i.e., all the way up, is going to suck battery life down through the floor. Good to know. <laughs> I like it. I'm curious to see how it feels in two or three months. I'm curious yeah, to see what firmware updates are out there. Because we've also seen a ton of firmware updates. If you haven't checked your laptop manufacturer, just for fun, see if they've done any updates. Because Dell, for example, did a, a metric ton of updates recently. And I've heard about those coming from some other manufacturers out there. So are you going to keep testing it for the next couple of weeks? I'll keep testing it for a couple of weeks. I want to play around with the Glance stuff. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> AI and my eyeballs and camera, <laughs> what well, could go wrong? Remind us in a couple of weeks to do a follow-up of all the uh, additional features and see if long-term it still stands up to Patrick's test of time. And I can throw Ubuntu on it this weekend just for totally. the sure joy of that. Do you want to see Ubuntu on it? Let us know. Who Ask doesn't like putting Linux on laptops? Asketechthing.com. Asketechthing.com, that's right. <laughs> The long-awaited Oculus Quest on sale now, shipping May 21st. Also, the new Rift S, both for $399, both with standalone or the cool controllers allow you to reach into things. Six degrees of freedom for the Oculus Quest, so you can actually do useful things in games. A huge step up from the Oculus Go. The crew over at Tested.com, they've been eyeballs on everything VR since the very first Kickstarter from Oculus. Joining us now, Norman Chan from Tested.com, who has been using the Oculus Quest extensively for the last week or so. Welcome back, Norm. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, yes, and I have the device that you mentioned, the Oculus Quest, right here. Is this the VR headset we've all been waiting for? Is this the headset that's going to make VR mainstream? 
Well, it definitely is one that uh, is Oculus hopes is going to bring uh, VR more to the mainstream, right? Like they, over the past couple of years, with the release of the original Rift and their funding of a lot of content, have tried to uh, target gamers. And then last year, they released the Oculus Go, $200 headset, uh, not as capable as the Quest, only three degrees of, of movement um, and tracking. And that headset, I hear, did fairly well for them, uh, especially for people who wanted to consume media, consume content. Uh, Quest is way more capable. It is self-contained. It's mobile. And it allows for basically parity with the Rift in terms of control. Uh, you can walk around your space. You have uh, the touch controllers, which are the new versions of the hand track, um, give you hand presence uh, in VR. So you can have your hands essentially in VR. Uh, and they've really targeted uh, this toward gamers. I think this for them is almost an alternative for people who are looking to buy a handheld game console. Kind of the same market as people who might want to buy a Nintendo Switch. It seemed pre-launch, the Oculus Go was all about gaming. Then it sort of morphed into this entertainment system that wraps around your head because VR. So how does the Oculus Quest compare, and what do the graphics look like? Yeah, and just judging by their launch lineup of titles, uh, definitely feels more like the Rift and the Rift S in terms of the type of experiences. Uh, maybe not necessarily the length of experiences or even the, the graphical fidelity and, and quality can mean all sorts of things. But in terms of the type of experiences, uh, feeling present in a virtual environment, uh, a lot of the ports that have come over from very popular uh, desktop VR games like Beat Saber and Super Hot and Space Pirate Trainer, all of those are on Quest. The addition of Oculus inside, the inside-out tracking, huge deal. How well did it work in your testing? Yes. Um, not only does it work well, uh, it has some benefits uh, over the tracking that you would get with an external outside-in tracking system in that you can get access to uh, the cameras. So there are an array of four cameras here. You can see in the corners of the headset. And the cameras are used, uh, they're global shutter cameras that run at very high refresh rate to, to track the world. They're constantly mapping and constantly keeping uh, an idea of where you are uh, in the virtual space. Now, that also allows, though, then for a video pass-through. And um, it's something that's used in setup, for example. When you first put on the headset, you see a, a grayscale stereo view, uh, that's video, of the world around you, your room, and then you can draw your, your virtual boundary, your guard system using the touch controller um, with that and if you walk past that boundary the world fades in which is something you don't get with the the old rift uh, so it's more comfortable that way and you have a better sense of security you know if you're playing in your living room or your office um, when you work, walk beyond that guardian space how does gaming look on the oculus quest compared to the rift is it worthy yeah it, it's good um, I I've described it as uh, similar to, and, and we're talking about the ports as uh, the, the primary uh, measure. Like if you play uh, Space Pirate Trainer on the PC and you're used to all the bells and whistles on how that game looks, on the Quest, the gameplay is exactly the same. And it's almost like having the PC version, but with all the graphics turned down to low. So you're not going to get uh, you know, the super high, nice reflections, extra post-processing effects. You know, Textures look a little more muted. The display quality is great here. There are OLED panels on this. 
um, but it, it is to maintain that refresh rate. They need a you know to have a 72 hertz uh, display, so 72 frame per second minimum as a base for all the experiences. Uh, you're going to have some compromises in terms of the graphical quality. Uh, one game I'm very looking forward to playing is Robo Recall because that was a, a launch title on the the Rift with touch controllers. And that's going to be ported over to the Quest. And from the screenshots, we can tell it won't be exactly the same game visually. Uh, but if that is the same game uh, from a gameplay perspective, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. It feels like games are really going to make or break this. What's the launch title situation look like for the Quest? Uh I think they have a really solid launch lineup, especially for people who've never been in VR. If people have been waiting, you know, they don't have a $1,500 gaming PC and they, you know, Go wasn't for them because they didn't have all the games they wanted. If this is going to be their first VR headset, then the launch lineup, which has, like I said, a bunch of ports, a lot of stuff, and also some exclusive stuff like the partnership with ILMX Lab, uh, Vader Immortal, uh, it's going to be really solid. Uh, but from our experience, a lot of the games at launcher they're almost akin to mobile game experiences. They're going to be in at most the four to five hour type games. Uh, Journey of the Gods uh, is one that we've played and it's about a five hour action RPG experience. Um, and I'm excited about the potential. I think developers probably need a little more time with the Quest, and I'm really excited about what the second generation of Quest games will bring when people really tap into having the full room scale and having people to walk around without being untethered um, and, and, and really getting used to developing for this this hardware. The new Rift S, same $399 as the Quest. Who should be buying the Rift S instead? I, I think it really depends on like what type of gamer you are, right? Like I, I think um, if you have a, a, a really nice gaming PC and you're really into playing long, you know, graphically rich games, uh, the desktop side is a really good way to go because there's a whole library of great games they get access to both on the Oculus Store and also in the Steam VR Store. Uh, Oculus has funded games like Lone Echo, and you got Lone Echo 2 coming out. Uh, you got an upcoming Insomniac game, Stormland. Uh, there's a big um, uh, kind of a, a mythical game coming out too that's supposed to be in the 20 and 30 hour. Uh, those aren't experiences that you're going to get on a mobile device. But if this is your first VR, uh, headset and you don't want to invest in a gaming PC and maybe you want to share it with your family and you maybe have played Beat Saber, uh, the Quest is probably the right way to go because you're going to probably get more out of that uh, in the short term uh, and it's going to be a bigger jump from zero. For somebody that's just bought a Quest, what are your fave titles right now? Um, I think Beat Saber is a big favorite one. Uh, it's an easy gateway one. Uh, one that launches a vacation simulator or a job simulator from uh, the Alchemy Labs. That's been a classic. Uh, personally, I like uh, table tennis. There's a Racket Fury, uh, which I've been playing a lot. And it is cross-platform between the desktop Rift and the mobile Quest side. And just being untethered. I've been enjoying um, uh, a sports scramble, just playing tennis, playing ping pong, not having to worry about where this cable is on the quest. That's where I think people are going to find the big difference. And uh, so, yeah, my recommendation goes out to, to Racket Fury. What's coming up on Tested.com? 
We actually just shot our full review of the Rift S uh, this week, so you can stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to demonstrate some of the, uh, just the different restrictions in terms of the inside-out tracking, where there's some occlusion points, uh, what that pass-through system looks like, uh, and we also just got in uh, another VR headset, the HP Reverb, uh, and so we'll be testing that and reviewing that as well. Norm, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us over here at Tech Thing. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find links to the reviews of the Quest and the Rift S on Tested.com. Just go right down to the show notes. Go check them out. Thanks so much, Patrick. Dennis sent us this photo of his battle station, and he says, this is my dual game and space sim slash video editing setup with Laserdisc slash SVHS slash HD cable sources. Two PCs, the primary is an overclocked 2700X air-cooled rig with 11 fans on a modified Lian Lead Dynamic 011 case, and an older Intel i3 torrent slash Plex server tied together with KVM multiplicity software from Dennis. And I also wanted to mention he also sent along his PC part picker list since the primary PC is a little bit hard to see in this very purple photo of his, but I love the backlighting, so I'm perfectly okay with that. And he also mentioned Multiplicity, uh, which is over on stardot.com, so I'll put that link below in the show notes, and let us know if you would like to see us do a review of Multiplicity as well, which allows you to sync multiple PCs together. It's very cool. Uh, thank you so much for sending over your battle station, and of course, if you have a battle station you want to share, check us out, askattechthing.com, and make sure to put battle station in the subject line. We love your questions, your tips, and your suggestions of products and ideas to check out. You can tweet at TechThing, at Snubs, or at Patrick Norton, or just email askatechthing.com. And a big shout out to our patrons at patreon.com slash techthing. You make the show possible. Our thanks to you. Join the crew that makes TechThing happen at patreon.com slash techthing. Look at the little babies. Aren't they cute? Are these like... Pokemon or what, Pokemon. what was the thing you used to have, the Tamagotchi where you would feed them or they would die? I still have a Tamagotchi. The by world's the way. cruelest toy. It's dead though, right? Yes, I killed it. <laughs> the Rode Wireless Go just came out and I just got one of these little pairs on pre order from BH for $199. And it looks like they're currently available. So they are shipping immediately. You can add one to the, your cart right now. That's so exciting. Okay, so they're wireless microphones. They are wireless microphones. Hmm. So these do claim directly from the website to be the world's smallest, mo most versatile wireless microphone system. And I can add that it's also the easiest one that I have used as well. So the Wireless Go takes what you traditionally see in video production companies, which they would normally use. You have a transmitter, which is worn on the host's belt buckle or on the back of their pants or clipped onto, uh, I don't know, their, their shirt or whatever you have. Duct taped to the body in Duct some cases. Duct taped to the body, clipped into a lavalier mic that is stopped to the top of their shirt. And that's what I currently have on that I'm wearing right now, which mm -hmm. wirelessly transmits that voice recording to a receiver that is usually hooked into a sound system or a camera. They're usually pretty cost prohibitive though, like Sennheiser has some broadcast quality wireless sets that go for over $500, for example. So the <laughs> fact that these were 200 bucks, I was like, okay, I'm definitely gonna try these out and see if they work. And the Sennheiser rigs don't include a mic, but these do? These do, yeah. There's a mic pre-installed right here. So you could, you could, in theory, instead of like sticking a a microphone into these and plugging in a lavalier that you have at the top of your shirt, you could stick this on the top of your shirt instead. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. 
So you get the whole package for 200 bu bucks. You don't need to buy an additional microphone to clip on. It does have a port for that micro microphone though, in case you want to add one. However, it's 3.5 millimeter jack, it's not XLR. So you can't use a really nice XLR lavalier microphone with it, which is kind of unfortunate. Basically all the good mics use an XLR connection. All of the good mics. So the transmitter has a power button on the bottom, as you can see here. There's a clip on the back as well for clipping it onto your clothing. The blue lights at the top tell you that it is charged and it's connected, and the light blinks if it starts running out of juice. This one uses 2.4 gigahertz to transmit data, and it comes in this really small package, as you can see, like Patrick is wearing there. <laughs> both the RX and the TX, which is the receiver and the transmitter, they're both very, very tiny. They are lightweight at 31 grams each, easily portable. And they do come with this cute little package that you can stick them in so you can carry them with you to like all your podcasting and, and interview engagements and whatever. They're rechargeable? They are rechargeable, yeah. You don't need to carry about around like two double A's or anything. Uh, they are USB-C and they do come with the USB charging cables as well. So they require no extra batteries. The receiver also has a power button. There's a gain control on it, low, medium, and high, which equates to negative 12 decibels, negative six, or zero and a pairing button along with that USB-C charging port and that 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, which is where you would plug this in so that you can plug it directly into your camera if your cam camera supports mic in. The clip on the back of the transmitter also is really cool because it fits directly into the camera hot shoe. It's the perfect size and that is so freaking cool. The transmitter also has a screen on the front so you can see if the audio is hot as well as the battery indicator. Now I do wish that the receiver had a little LED on the front of it since it sits on the hot shoe in a way that well, it points directly at the ceiling. The screen points directly at the ceiling, which is not very useful if you have a host on one side and a camera person on the other, and neither of you are like hovering over the camera. Eight feet tall. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> given that I'm somewhat short, I can't see what's going on on this teeny tiny screen unless it was facing me. So I have to either get an adapter for the hot shoe to point it at me, or I wish <laughs> that they would make one that has LEDs on the front that just tell me if it's dead. That's all I really need to know. So when you first power them on, they take about three seconds to connect, which is amazing, so quick, and they will last about seven hours on a full battery. Now, I would say that I used them for about four hours before I finally went to bed <laughs> uh, because I didn't have enough time to last for another three hours before I fell asleep. So I can say that they will last for at least four hours. Uh, if you want to get them up to seven hours of battery life, that takes about two hours to charge. When you get them out of the box, they do have about half of that battery percentage already charged up. So you could use them immediately. <laughs> However, I suggest charging them up fully. They work up to 235 feet away from each other with direct line of sight. And while I certainly do not have that much space to test them in, I was able to get about 50 feet away uh, from, from the, the receiver on one end and then the transceiver being on my side or the transmitter being on my side. That's a pretty healthy distance. That's a very healthy distance, yeah. And it's better than Bluetooth. Bluetooth is, the range is usually about 30 feet. So you get quite a lot more with 2.4 gigahertz on these wireless mics. The Rode Wireless Go also comes with a little pouch and a couple of wind muffler things that you can stick on the top of them to dead make them cats. look like, yeah, dead cats. <laughs> or in this case, dead rodents. Or little trolls. <laughs> little trolls. I know, I, I wanna stick googly eyes on there. You should. I totally should. <laughs> 
Uh, so they do come with those as well. Now I noticed that it was defaulted to the zero decibel option for gain, which was way too high. That's maximum up. audio in audio yes. geek terms. It picked up way too much room noise. So I lowered this to negative 12 decibels, which did help. I also noticed that when I was playing back my video clips and I was wearing my Sony MDR headphones, um, I, I said it was interference, but it could have just been like feedback, like you had mentioned, uh, between the, the audio coming out of the Sony headphones and me just being way too close. So I need to test that further because it's probably not an issue with the wireless uh, receiver. But the transfer didn't make noise from the computer or the lights or anything. No. No, else it didn't. just the headphones. It was, it was just the headphones. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I know. So I'm going to test that some more and see if it's like an issue that I should be concerned about or if it's nothing to worry about. Rode states that eight of these can be used within the same vicinity without any interference problems or pairing issues. So hopefully everybody at CES is not using these in the same room because next year that will be super awkward if oh, you end up pairing with somebody else's. I'm sure somebody <laughs> will end up paired on the wrong system. Oh man, that would be so funny. I am nervous about the audio quality because the mic is so yeah. built in and it's such a low cost. Yeah, so when, and you have right to be concerned, honestly. So when testing this against a few of my other studio options, I found that it definitely did the job, but the audio quality could be better. Now, while this does sound a lot better than my Rode wireless uh, shotgun mic, the one that <laughs> I just stick on top of my camera, it looks like a dead cat like literally, then it did not, It like for example, this one did not pick up the voice echo from my voice when I was standing in a very echoey room. However, hmm. the shotgun mic does pick up that echo. So that was good. It also was not as crystal clear as say my Zoom H4n with an Audio-Technica microphone or the Sennheisers, which we usually used in the old studio. But m both of those are way, way more costly, like several hundred dollars more expensive. Like, well, this mic plus an H4n recorder, a Zoom recorder, would be about $470. Yeah, exactly. So, so d this and you'd is definitely be less expensive. <laughs> uh, I think that the Rode Wireless Go is a very good buy for somebody who is on a budget or just getting started with wireless audio. So it is not the best option for stellar audio, but it definitely gets the job done. Uh, and it is good enough that you could use it for like, you know, your, your vlogs or if you have like a home studio where you're doing anime reviews like I do on my off time. So, <laughs> so I'll probably use it in those kind of general places. There's nothing like this that's wireless at this price there's point. There's nothing at 200 bucks. And it's good enough until you decide it's not good enough. Yeah, exactly. I'm a perfectionist and I come from like Sennheiser life. So for me, I'm like, ooh, I don't know about this. Like they're not as crystal clear, but at the same time, I'm like, but they're $200 and is anybody actually going to care that much when they listen to them? I don't know. Like, so I'm gonna test them on my vlogs and maybe even with like a Pixel 3a and plug this directly into the headphone jack on the phone. What's we'll, your favorite we'll vlog to promote right now? Uh, I'm going to Disneyland shortly, so I'll be vlogging there. Where? Where? What vlog? Oh. What is the channel? Oh. Or the website? YouTube.com slash Shannon Morse. That's where I put my vlogs. There you <laughs> I go. thought you meant well, where like no. Actual location. No. Disneyland. We'll be right back. <laughs> and remember once in a while, put down the phone, step away from the screen, close the laptop and do something analog like Ken who writes, Here's an analog pick, sort of, on Saturday, April 27th, two cooling towers at the now shut down Brayton Point Power Plant in Somerset, Massachusetts were imploded. 
This set a world record for the biggest cooling tower implosions. I got up at 5 a.m. to get a spot. The action was at 8 a.m. sharp. I took my Phantom 3 prone drone up to get an aerial video in 4K 60 frames per second of the event. The concrete will be crushed on site and will be used to build a staging area and assembly area for a wind turbine production. Just thought it was super cool and even though I was digital with my drone, watching it was analog, right? Can <laughs> watching it is totally analog, <laughs> and my goodness, that was epic. Anytime you you get up at o dark thirty to go watch something get blown up, being blowing things up is purely analog. It's really lovely to watch. I don't know why, but it's kind of oddly satisfying. It's so the way they you. make everything land on itself. Yeah, that always fascinates so. me. <laughs> it's cool. So if you want to send us an analog pick, email them askatechthing.com. I'm Patrick Norton. I'm Shannon Morris. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. You ever been nearby when a building was imploded? No, I haven't. And I really want to see one because I think that's like, it's so interesting, like how scientific it has to be. Right. Because if you do anything wrong, it could end very poorly. So I really want to see that happen. I think it would be so cool. It would end poorly. You know what else I want to see happen? Sometime I want to find out when a shuttle is lifting off and I want to see one of those in person. That's like on my bucket The space list. shuttle? Yes. You may have missed the window for that. Why, are there no more? I feel like there could be more, right? <laughs> you would like to see a space shuttle-like object at launch. Yeah, it could be a rocket. That's fine. I don't care. It's been funny. Like, every time uh, I, I think of them as Elon's rocket, every time one of Elon's rockets goes up, the boys are like, <gasps> and they watch the landing. Oh. And this time they landed like all three pieces. Oh, um, wow. I feel like I want to double check the YouTube video. And they were, it was like listening. It was like tuning into the 60s because the boys were like, yeah, <laughs> along with the control room. Woo! Oh, so cool. They get excited about their rockets. Oh my gosh, I would love to watch that.